I think that there's a, a, a storm coming, a, a big storm coming. I think that all of our deferred payments are going to be a struggle to meet. Um, I think all the deferred BAS and everything else that we've, um, all the payments that we've, we've froze are going to be really hard to start getting back online. And I think there's going to be a lot of business to go out of, out of, out of business. Hi everyone and welcome to our next ANZ podcast for business owners across Australia. The aim of this podcast series is to support business owners across Australia in what is proven to be an incredibly challenging year. I'll be chatting with business leaders and industry leaders who can offer advice and insight to help you not only survive the current challenges but thrive and come out possibly even better than you were before. Today I'm pleased to be speaking with Shane Delia. Shane is one of Melbourne's best-known restaurateurs and is best known as chef and owner of restaurants Maha, Maha East, Biggie Smalls, and most recently Maha Go. It's just launched a premium food delivery service called Providor, which we'll chat a little bit more about later. The restaurant landscape has significantly changed, so we thought we'd check in to see how things are going for Shane. So Shane, first up, I mean, it's incredible how much has changed since March, and particularly the hospitality sector has been hit hard with the disruptions. Now, how are you doing personally? And if you think back to March, you know what was going through your head now, and and, and how are you feeling about it all now? How am I doing personally? Well, to be honest, um, today was a pretty confronting day. Uh, I haven't been in a position like this for a while. My my body just shut down. I um, I've been under an enormous amount of stress and pressure. Obviously, with you know so many changes happening and and um, us just launching Provador a day ago, um, I think my body just had enough. I just I just couldn't get out of bed. I was shaking and it was just all all too much. So yeah. um, I th- I think that's just a lack of sleep and and constant pressure. I mean, everywhere you look, um, yeah. there seems to be a, a story or, or or a reason why you know you should give up. But I think that they're the reasons that we have to keep pushing forward. So thinking back to to March, I was taking. A keen interest in what was happening globally. I mean, obviously, we were still not really feeling any effects of it here in Australia, while the rest of the world was turning to chaos. Um, but I, I remember the morning quite, you know, quite clearly. Um, I, I was, I, I did some work with the Grand Prix Corporation, and I was at the Grand Prix in the morning when the announcement came in that we were going to be cancelling the race. And I just thought to myself, okay, this is the beginning of the end. Um, yeah. we, we have to start making some evasive manoeuvres. Um, and start preparing ourselves for what could be a long stint without revenue. So, um, yeah, no, I remember that morning quite clearly. Yeah, that was one of the first events that was cancelled, and it's, I remember thinking at the time, this is quite real. And, yeah. um, you know, you saw, saw some of the stories on people that were catering for the events and um, the people that had delivered, I believe they delivered stock that morning and only mm. found out that day, and I felt for those small business owners. We've seen, I guess, since then, many businesses um, evolving, trying to adapt to the to what is the new normal. We don't know how long we're in this position, but we've seen restaurants focus on takeaway delivery services, if you like. Well, what are some of the things that you've done to try and respond? It's been a consistent theme when I speak to people about we don't know how long this is going to be like this before things turn back to normal. And I think that's that's a problem. Um, and I think that just that, that statement about things turning back to normal is the problem. Um, I don't know why hospitality would be rushing, rushing back to get things back to, to normal per se, because they weren't so good before. We remember, you know, rents increasing, cost of business getting higher, more 
legislative um, restrictions placed on businesses, profit margins reducing, a highly competitive market. I don't, I don't really want to rush back to that. So if, if this pandemic has given us a chance to adapt a little bit, maybe take a breath and pause and have a look at our businesses a little bit differently, I, I'm embracing that. Um, what we did at Delia Group is that we actually were the, one of the first people to close in, in Melbourne. I mean, that morning of the Grand Prix, I decided pretty quickly that we have to make some change. I kind of thought a closure from the government was on the horizon. There was no statements made as yet. And um, I said, okay, look, I kind of think it's probably going to be a two or three week total shutdown. So I said, oh, I'm going to close for five. We did our due diligence and said we could probably last five without any revenue and pay out all of our debtors and our staff and we'll be okay. And obviously it's been a lot longer than five weeks now, which then spawned us thinking about how do we create revenue. So we looked at our assets. Our assets are, we've got a great database. We've got a lot of brand equity and loyalty with our customer base. And we realized pretty quickly that the delivery market was where it was going to be, but maybe not using a medium that was already existing. I mean, hot food served hot within a small radius isn't something we could entertain. I mean, it, it, it would have destroyed our product and then, uh, you know, subsequently started to tear away at our, our brand values. So reached out through networks, realized there was a lot of other people struggling as well, not just restaurants, you know, a lot of my suppliers who have got cold chain logistics as a part of their business, maybe not as their core business. They, they, they were sitting dormant. Um, so I reached out to them, said, what are you doing with your vans? They said nothing. <laughs> we started to you know, establish a bit of a partnership where I could start to get my product out to people and um, start to educate the dining public a little bit that there could be a premium alternative to takeaway. And, you know, it was, it was received unbelievably well, unbelievably well. So that's what spawned then the idea to start pushing this further and explore if there's actually a market there for a lot of other restaurants, not just my own. You touched on a couple of things there. You know, one was that, that, that Winston Churchill quote, never waste a good crisis. And um, I think the, the fact that you've identified there were issues or, or things about the existing model that you weren't happy with and you would like to have changed, and you've thought through how it might be different and you're spot on that whatever the new normal is, it will be different. Customer behaviours will change and in a lot of cases will not go back to the old ways and we've got to try and predict those and work out what they are. The, the other thing that you touched on there was having five weeks worth of, of I guess, resources to, to pay your staff and rent and the like. Is that something you'd given thought to before this had happened about how much money you should have aside for a rainy day or has this been a, a shock to you? No, no, we, we've always tried to stay quite liquid. I mean, um, we always try to stay well ahead of our payments. We, I, I don't draw down big dividends. I try to keep a lot of money within the business. Um, we don't stretch out our suppliers. We're on really short terms with our suppliers. I, I think it's the right way to do business. I mean, I've always thought that. I, I've always had a, a process from day one that I pay my staff, I pay my suppliers, I pay my bills, then I pay the bank, <laughs> and then I pay myself. And it, it's worked well for me. It's quite transparent, but it, it served me well in, in a position like, like we are in now, whereas um, I'm not hamstrung and I, and I haven't had to be reactive. I could be quite proactive just because, you know, we, we were okay with our cash resources. We don't, you know, we haven't got tens of millions sitting in the bank. We are a small business, but... We had enough to pay out everybody and pay everybody's leave out and make sure we're not owing anybody anything. 
Yeah, that's good. And pleased to hear you um, have the bank on the list of people to pay. Yeah. <laughs> well, the yeah. bank's—I mean, the bank's my partner. I mean, I—I—I I, I, I know it might sound like a cop out to some people, but I mean, um, it takes it's a leap of faith for anybody to get into business with you. And and you know, there's always an element of risk, even though obviously the bank try to do as much as they can to mitigate any risk, but it's still it's still an element of risk. I mean, and and every time I've turned to to the bank, um, I've turned to ANZ for support. Um, I haven't ever had no. Um, there may not be yes straight away, but there's always been an opportunity to find a, a solution, um, and, that, and that's all you can expect from any partnership. Yeah, I think that's great, and we certainly see it as a partnership. And uh, we've got a lot of customers that, you know, if we were reluctant to enter into it, they take that as a sign that it's not a good idea. So, you, know, you need to land somewhere that is not without risk, but safe enough proposition for both parties. And it sounds like we found that that rhythm with you, which is great. A little bit before you talked about, you know how overwhelming this can be and you have, you have days where you feel a bit flat and you've got to get yourself up for the fight and we've spoken to a lot of businesses that are struggling with this lack of certainty and lack of control over what's going to happen next so what are, what are some of the other ways that you've tried to face into that to, to take control whether it's a, a disadvantage or an advantage i've always been a front foot fighter i mean i've, I've um you know, I use a few boxing analogies because I've always enjoyed boxing, but it's always been at my detriment that um, I'm always the one with my head right in the way of the punch. So when when I saw a fight like you know that we're facing now, I I don't back down, um, not out of arrogance or ignorance or just stupidity. Um, I ha- I feel I have to push on. I've got so many people reliant on me um, to provide income and stability and, and a future that 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 drives me further. But I mean, I suppose what keeps me stable is um i do try to invest a lot of time into myself i mean uh, i try to eat well um and when i eat when i've been eat well i don't just mean you know truffle and fly overnight i mean i try to eat a balanced diet um i train every day you know i i, I make myself get up in the morning and, and train um but i suppose the the apart the biggest thing apart from that is the connection i have with my wife and and some really good friends a really core, good core group of friends who predominantly sit outside of my industry so it gives me an opportunity to gain not just advice but perspective and I think that connection and that openness to be able to talk to a, a small group without any barriers is, is really important. I mean, because especially from a male perspective, I think males sometimes are very um, reluctant to express vulnerability. I've always been a, a firm believer in vulnerable leadership, even though you know strength and I suppose macho-ness creeps in with my personality but I still think to show vulnerability with your staff and, and, and with your friends is, is, is a real asset. And I, I mean, I'm not, too, I'm not too afraid to ask for help. So I think a, a mixture of all of those kind of things has helped me get through this. But, you know, a morning like this morning was just, it was, it was scary. And I got out of bed and almost fell to the floor. I just think that um, my body just told me it's, it's enough stress. You need to actually get some sleep and, and reload again uh, for tomorrow. Yeah, that's, that would be scary. I think you're right. There's a there's a strength in vulnerability. If um, if people see that you're um, prepared to ask for help and and have input to the way you're doing things, I think people more and more see that as strong leadership. It's a great way forward for you. You know, we're seeing here in Victoria finally restaurants have opened up and uh, across Australia a little bit ahead of where we are in Victoria. How do you think things will pan out uh, over the next few months? So 20 people in a restaurant in Victoria at the moment is 
is that enough to warrant opening the doors? And what are your plans going forward? Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's that's the magic question, isn't it? About you know, how do you see the future? Look, I try to be positive on all fronts, but I try to be realistic as well. And um, I think there's a lot of misleading numbers. I mean, people say, oh, well, you know, you can let 20 people in your restaurant and soon it'll be 50 and then it'll be 100. I mean, that, that that's not the truth. The truth is you're still governed by one person for every four square metres and you're still governed by one 1.5 metres between tables. So you're, you're, you're constrained to the size of your dining room. Now, it, it was hard slog before the world turned upside down trying to make a dollar at a consistent revenue stream. Um, how are you supposed to do that at you know a quarter of your dining capacity? I, I don't I don't understand how that happens. I mean, yes, you can say okay, well maybe I can fit 20 people in there. I can turn it. I can do 40. But are you going to turn the tables on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when people are probably reluctant to go out when consumer spending may not be as 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 confident when expendable incomes may not be there where corporate spending for lunch trade in the CBD is non-existent. You know, I'll walk around the CBD now and, yeah, restaurants are open, but it's a ghost town. So uh, that's, you know, 40% of our revenue is lunch. So, I mean, I I don't see positivity and I'm not just trying to, you know, be a, a fear monger. I mean, I don't see how we can how we can turn around a traditional industry that was already broken. I mean, I don't, I don't see how when the government stops supporting the economy because we're living in a bubble, I don't see how that is going to have any positivity at the end of this you know I, there's not enough revenue coming through at the moment with um, our online business um, even with our forecasted re-entry to the market that can sustain our level of employment so I think that there's a, a, a storm coming a, a big storm coming I think that all of our deferred payments are going to be a struggle to meet um, I think all the deferred BAS and everything else that we've um, all the payments that we've, we've Pros are going to be really hard to start getting back online, and I think there's going to be a lot of business to go out of out of, out of business. I mean, I, I I don't see the, the silver lining. I'm I'm trying to be as positive as possible. I've got restaurants that I love, and I want the traditional market to re-establish itself and open. And I and I'll be doing everything I can to make that happen. But I, I really do think it's time for lateral thinking. I do think it's time for establishing a new market that that speaks to a, a larger database to a larger to a larger customer base um, than the constraints of a, a dining room that's now hamstrung by 20 percent I think that's a really honest and um, a rational assessment of what's going on and you know hopefully a lot of business leaders uh, are thinking along those lines because you've got to be realistic that it's just not going to magically bounce and you know I worry that some of our customers will get to the end of you know, JobKeeper support, rental deferrals, bank payment deferrals, and think that Christmas will be boom time and get them back and things will go back to normal. But um, I'm more with you. I don't know what the new normal is. It's going to be different. You know, our hope yeah. is for, um, you know, people like yourself where you know, people have been saving to perhaps take overseas holidays, which aren't going to happen. Um, you know, I'm not sure when overseas holidays are going to be back on the agenda, but you know, people who have got some savings aside, you know, might have a bit more discretionary income to spend locally um, in Australia. So, you know, we hope that regionally they go to hotels and have holidays more locally and, and, and start to go back to the restaurants and, and spend their money here instead of overseas would be a, you know, a great outcome for, for people like yourself, hopefully. I look at, you know, major events in Australia and I work really closely with all the ones in Victoria. You know, I've got a great relationship with the Grand Prix Corporation and great relationship with the Australian Open and the AFL and Flemington and 
I look at an event like the AO. I mean, it's um, it's one of the biggest events on the calendar. It draws on, you know, millions of people coming into the country um, to, to support the event, and then in turn it has a flow-on effect into our bars and restaurants and hotels and every other sector. Is that going to be here next year? Um, the, you know, the the the, the the effects that that has are catastrophic um, if that doesn't happen. Um, and, and I just, but I don't think it's all doom and gloom either. I think that yes, it, it, there's a lot of negativity ahead. Um, but you know, for the brave, you know, for for the people who are willing to actually stick their neck out and take a risk, that there may be a silver lining. I mean, and it doesn't have to be. Every idea doesn't have to be a million dollar idea. It just has to be something that gives you an opportunity to live. And I think that we're in a survival mode at the moment. And um, there are some good opportunities out there, but it just it just can't be a, a quick fix. Um, quick fixes never work. Um, any business you enter now is still going to be a grind to get off the ground. Um, and I'm experiencing that now with Provodal. You know, it's not going to be just flip the switch and you know you're turning over tens of millions of dollars. It's, it's still going to be a hard grind, even though we believe in the product and and I I, I think the market is definitely uh, ripe for it. Which I think it's uh, I still need to establish it. And it's going to take some take some time before people actually lock on and start to become a, a necessity rather than just a, a want. Yeah. You touched before about um, a crisis. You've got to make the most of the opportunity. So Provador is one of those things that's, uh, that's emerged out of this. You know, are, are there other things that have uh, have emerged out of this crisis and, and, and maybe maybe give us a plug for Provador? <laughs> the, the, the main thing I'm seeing emerge is the chance for... A, a reconciliation or a reset of, of things that haven't been right for a long time. You know, I think that um, I, I'm only talking about my industry. I, I don't know enough about other industries, but I think this is a great opportunity for all parties to come to the table, you know, employers, governments, unions, employees, and just establish a new fair playing field where everybody has sustainability, um, where everybody can, can um, have some security that they're going to have a have employment and, and have income. I think that is the greatest opportunity I'm seeing now. But I mean, I suppose on, on a more um, personal level, I think the great opportunity has been the re-establishment of, of the family structure. I'm spending so much time with my kids now. It's amazing. I'm seeing them grow. I'm seeing my 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 patience and tolerance for, for them increase instead of just brushing them off all the time, thinking about the next job I have to do. I actually want to speak to them. The resurgence of, of, the, of the dinner party you know, I'm seeing spending more time with my close network of friends, hence Provador. You know, like I think that so Provador is our new online marketplace. It's it's um it's a consolidated marketplace of Melbourne's best restaurants. Um, we'll be we, we've got you know partners like Supernormal and Movita and uh, Flower Drum and Sunder and you know there's a heap of heap of guys that jumped on board. And what we've said to them is that look, you know, your traditional market may come back. I mean, but I don't think it's going to come back in its full tilt. So why not why not have a look at a chance to, to, to connect with some new customers in a new way? So, you know, we deliver to 35 kilometres outside the CBD in certified, sanitised, cold freight logistics. So, I mean, health and safety are more important now than ever. You know, you get your order in by 5pm. It's on your doorstep by midday the next day and most often than not by about 8am. So it's three-quarter cooked or fully cooked meals that just have to be finished by the, the home cook. So you get the romance of the cooking without any of the hard work. And, uh, and there's a great opportunity for us as well to do a lot of B2B stuff. So if you, you, know, you know yourself, there's, I think there's over 6,000 employees in the, in, the, in the ANZ offices in Melbourne. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know what the, what the confidence is going to be like about going out for corporate lunches once everyone's back, if everyone comes back. But yeah. if you could get some of Melbourne's best restaurants within your workplace, I mean, that may be a great opportunity. So, look, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, and um, I think there's a lot of positivity, and it's there's no there's no good focusing on the negative. Yeah, so I absolutely agree. Look, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, I've got to admit, it it, uh, it was a far I guess a deeper conversation than I anticipated. I was probably coming into this as thinking about how you're running your your restaurants and and the business, but I think you've got a refreshingly, I guess, honest and realistic assessment of the state of the world and and what's going to happen coming forward, what's going to happen going forward. I think that we need to make sure all the people that are running small businesses across this country have a very very clear view of, of the fact that things are going to be different going forward. Um, you touched on, you know, sort of your, your your own physical and mental health and, and showing some vulnerable leadership, which is very much what we talk about um, in our own organisation. And, and I think there's an absolute strength in that. And um, it's great to hear you practising that. And the re-establishment of the family structure, I completely agree. I've seen more of my kids in the last 10 weeks than uh, I expected to see this year. I haven't been on a plane um, for, for about three months, which is... Uh, which is a change from my normal routine. So it means I'm at home pretending to be a cook far more often than I ever anticipated. <laughs> um, so I'll be no doubt a customer of Provador. So thanks for your time today. I really enjoyed the chat. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the support, um, especially during this, this COVID period. I mean, I reached out to the bank in the time of need and I was really on my knees and I didn't know what to expect, but I, I got a lot of support. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks very much. Cheers.